Inspiration. Turn up the motivation. You're on the Ziggler Inspire Podcast. Zig Ziggler wants you to be your best. Welcome to Zig Ziglar's Inspire Podcast. This is your host, Blake Lindsay. Today we are listening in on one of Zig Ziglar's Sunday School lessons. He takes the same material that he teaches in businesses and lets us see the biblical references for the information. Get your pencils ready as we listen to Zig Ziglar together. Now, talking about the gospel, how many of you read your Bible every day this week? Can I see your hands, please? How many of you believe everything that's in this Bible, okay? How many of you read the newspaper every day this week? Can I see your hands? All right. How many of you believe everything is in the newspaper? Can I see your hand? How many of you are spending more time reading what you don't believe than you're spending reading what you do believe? (laughs) Isn't that fascinating? One of those little simple little ironies of truth. Yeah, it sure is. Well, I've had an absolutely incredible week. As you know, it was my happy birthday week uh, on uh, last Thursday. Uh, a lot of exciting things happened. Number one, the redhead renewed my contract. They gave me quite an extension on it, so that's exciting. Uh, number two, I got lots of nice things. Got to see all of my family. I got to play nine holes of golf for the first time in a long time. And among my gifts was a little book here on golf, which I found to be very fascinating. Um, uh, Governor George Duke Megan says that the difference between golf and government is that in golf, you can't improve your life. <laughs> the difference between golf and tennis is that in tennis you want to kill the other player in golf you just want to kill yourself okay and the reason the pro tells you to keep your head down is so you can't see him laughing <laughs> and finally hacker what do you think i should do about my game pro well first i'd take a day off then quit for six months then give it up entirely well uh, sound like pretty good advice to me now this is lesson number two in winning with a balanced life and i really hope you took me seriously when i encourage you to to bring your notepads uh, along with you Uh, i use as i've said before this type of notepad, and for a long time, every time I attend a Sunday school class or a sermon, I always take it with me. It's a wonderful resource to go back and look things up. Our first lesson was, what is success? The second lesson today is employment security in a no-job security world. We hear an awful lot about uh, that very subject, so let's take a look at it. But I know that for many in this class, if it's not existing at this moment, it will exist and has existed at times in your past. Where success is not your objective, survival is your objective. We all have had those times in our life, and if we have it, I don't want to be negative, but I will say that that is on the way. That's part of life. I'll show you a picture of life a little later on. Now, for some people, they say uh, that, you know, well, it's a little too late for me. One of my favorite little stories, and I tell it frequently, is of the 55-year-old lady that called me on a radio talk show. And uh, she was almost crying. She said, Mr. Ziegler, I'm 55 years old, and it's too late for me. I've never done anything with my life, and it's all over. I said, ma'am, how old did you say you were? She said, I'm 55, and it's too late for me. I said, ma'am, you're just a spring chicken. I said, as a matter of fact, does your mama know where you are? (laughs) She got tickled. 
And once you get a person to laughing, uh, then they're open uh, to a change in their thinking. Uh, Folks, let me say this again, just as strongly uh, as I can, uh, that uh, I believe that you make a mistake if you don't take notes. Why does God repeat himself so many times in the Bible? Why does he repeatedly say the same thing? It's because he understands us, because he knows us. He created us. He knows that we are slow learners. He knows that a lot of people fit in the same category I am in. I have a brilliant memory. It's just awful short. Now, that's a category that an awful lot of people fit in now. How many of you, and let's kind of see how do we go about getting all of those things. How many of you consider yourself to be honest and at least reasonably intelligent? Can I see your hands, please? Okay. A couple of hands didn't go up. Let me, uh, let, let me ask you, was it the honesty part or the intelligence part that, uh, <laughs> uh, that got to you? Well, anyhow, how many of you... Uh, Honest, intelligent people, as a general rule, get more work done on the day before you go on vacation (laughs) as you normally get done in two or three days. Can I see your hands, please? All right. Now, let me ask you a question and listen to the whole question. How many of you believe that if you can learn why this is true and how to make it happen every day, if you did that every day without, hear the rest of the question, without working any harder and without working any longer, how many of you believe that uh, that would be a magnificent contribution to life, that you would be more rewarded yourself, that your family would be better off, your company would be better off, the community would be better off, and God, particularly for those who tithe, would also be better off. Can I see your hand? No, don't misunderstand. Not that he needs our money, but we need to give it for our benefit, not his benefit. Though he does tell us in Malachi 3.10, the only place in the Bible where God tells us to challenge him. Trust me now, saith the Lord of hosts, and bring your tithes into the storehouse and see if I will not open the gates of heaven and pour out a blessing which you cannot even receive. One translation says... I will send you so many blessings that you'll throw up your hand and say, Oh, no, Lord, that's enough. I can't handle any more. Now, that's in the Bible. Now, let's take a look then and and see if we can find out why and how it is that we get so much more done on that day before we go on vacation. Now, understand you have already said you're an honest and intelligent human being. I encourage you to write each of these words down. And as I verbalize the words, put by the side of that word an A or an S. Is this an attitude or is this a skill? Because it's very important. Honesty and intelligence. Are they attitudes or are they skill? Now, how many of you then, on the night before, the day before vacation, got out a little sheet of paper and said, you know, I got a lot of things to do tomorrow. Man, I got to remember to do this and this and this. How many of you did that? Can I see your hands, please? All right. Now, we call that goal setting. All right. Now, let's take a, a look here at a, at a couple of things concerning this as we go into uh, goal setting. Why is that important? 
I have the privilege of doing the large public seminars with a lot of the celebrities, the presidents and the generals and all that kind of good stuff. Now, we have large crowds. We survey the crowds, and here's what we know. We know in the crowds that we've got psychiatrists and truck drivers. We know that we've got college professors and students. We have civil service workers in the military. We have entrepreneurs, salespeople, household executives. We've got the whole crowd. And what they have said is this, and what we've discovered is that those who have a goals program, everybody's got goals. You know, the alcoholic has a goal. The drug addict has a goal. You had a goal to get here this morning, rain or shine, and uh, fortunately, it's raining, and the reason it's so fortunate, it cleans out the atmosphere, and God's out there busy washing our cars, I mean, and watering the grass, doing the whole smear while we're in here nice and warm and dry and comfortable, okay? Now, the people who have goals, on average, earn $7,411 a month, goals programs. Those who do not have a goals program earn an average of $3,397 a month, more than twice as much if you have a goals program. Now, I'm just going to talk about a one-day goal. This is not a goals program. Somewhere down the road, we'll be getting into a complete goals program. And then you got organized. In other words, you said, well, now, I got this list of stuff I got to do. But some things are more important than others. So I'm going to put this one first, and this is going to be, oh, and I, man, I got to get that. Oh, yeah, I don't want to forget this. I'd encourage you to make one exception to that. Put the most objectionable, the most disagreeable, the nastiest, meanest, ugliest thing you got to do, put it first. If you got to go give Charlie some horrible news, and Charlie's filth on the list, you know what you're doing? You finish number one, and, well, I got to talk to Charlie. You finish number two, well, I, you know, I got to talk to Charlie. You finish number three, I got to talk to Charlie. Yeah, get him out of there. Solve that one quickly. As this old boy down home would say, friend, if you're going to have to swallow a frog, you just don't want to look at that sucker too long. <laughs> I mean, he ain't going to get no prettier. You can, as a matter of fact, he's going to get uglier, okay? Then you accepted responsibility to get the job done. This is my job. If I don't do it, somebody else will have to do it. It is my responsibility. Then you make the commitment to do it. Now, the minute you do that, you are now thinking as a self-employed person, which you must always do because if you don't think as a self-employed person, you will eventually become an unemployed person. It doesn't make any difference who signs the paycheck. You really do work for yourself. You, they, they sign the name, but you determine ultimately the security and the amount of that check by your performance. It is up to you, as we will see. Next day, you got there not only on time, but maybe even a few minutes early. And the minute you got there, you really got busy. You didn't look around and say, well, I wonder what I ought to do now. You got a plan of action, ladies and gentlemen. And then uh, you were optimistic that you could get it done. I was talking this morning. Half of us get here optimistic. Half of us get here either in neutral or in pessimistic. Uh, you'll be pleased to know that the 1828 Noah Webster Dictionary does not have the word pessimistic or pessimist in it. That's a, an invention of our modern terminology. Words do change. Now, optimism was in it. So this is something that's kind of self-induced over a period of time. Our natures might lean in one direction, but we choose the way we want to go by the way we choose what goes in our mind. 
For example, uh, if the last thing you watch in the evening is the evening news, and it might not always be good news, and the last thing on your mind when you go to bed is the bad news that you've been hearing. To listen to a good gospel tape last night, we were listening again to Bill Gaither, and to listen to those good, beautiful gospel tapes, you know, and God's love is being poured into your mind. You sleep better, you dream differently, you wake up more refreshed, more optimistic, because the last thing that goes in your mind is generally what the mind dwells on during the course of the evening. Your enthusiasm uh, is great when you're there on that day before vacation. You're highly motivated. Now, I'm one of these people that uh, my nature is in that direction. You know, I'm the kind of guy that take my last $2 and buy a money belt with it. That's the way I'm put together. Uh, I'd go after Moby Dick Robo and take the tartar sauce with me. Now, you decisively move from one task to the other. When you finish one, and this is a critical thing, because when you finish a task, if you, now I'm not talking about running, I'm not talking about working harder or longer, but when you move with purpose, you're not as likely by any stretch of imagination to be interrupted by somebody else. How many of you have noticed that people with nothing to do as a general rule want to do it with you? Can I see your hands, please? All right, now, how many of you had paper routes when you were kids? Let me ask you a question. Did you deliver them alphabetically or geographically? You see, the interesting thing is, as youngsters, we learned you got to have a plan of action. Isn't it strange that when we get a little older, unless we have a plan, we'll work over here a little bit, and then we'll come over here and do something, and then we'll go over here and do something, and then we'll go over here and do something. At the end of the day, our productivity is way down, and we say, boy, I don't know what happened to the day. Well, you're on a trip during the day. Generally, what happens to it? This will save you five minutes here, eight minutes there, 12 minutes there. End of the day, you've got a minimum of an extra hour, and each hour is more productive, okay? You focus on the issue at hand. You discipline yourself to stay to the task. Now, you know, a lot of people regard discipline as a dirty word. I thought Sybil Stanton, in her beautiful book, The 25-Hour Woman, said it better than anybody I've ever heard. She said, discipline is not on your back, needling you with imperatives. It's at your side, encouraging you with incentives. It's the truth that when you discipline yourself to do the things you need to do, when you need to do them, the day's going to come when you can do the things you want to do, when you want to do them. And yet most people have attached negative connotations to the word discipline, I want to be free is the song that is sung. But you take the train off the tracks, it's free, but it can't go anywhere. You take the steering wheel out of the automobile, it's under the direction and control of no one, but it can't move. The sailor at sea has freedom of the seas only when he or she disciplined themselves to stay obedient to the compass. Unless they are obedient to the compass, they've got to remain within sight of shore. Once they become obedient to that compass, though, they can go anywhere in the world they want to go that that boat will take them. When we discipline ourselves, then, ladies and gentlemen, we can go so much further. You persisted until you finished the job. That positive mental attitude kicked in, and that is so important. 
Let me tell you why I believe that I'm the strongest uh, advocate of positive thinking in America. I am so strong on it because I understand, I believe what it will do, but equally important, I understand what it won't do. And that's a very important distinction. You see, positive thinking won't let you do anything, but it will let you do everything better than negative thinking will. Does that make sense? How many of you recognize the name Shaquille O'Neal? Can I see your hand? See, Shaquille O'Neal, 7 feet 2 inches tall, 318 pounds or thereabouts, is optimistic, highly motivated, very enthusiastic, positive thinker. As a result of those wonderful qualities combined with his specific athletic skills, he's a wonderfully successful basketball player, just signed a contract for $2.5 trillion to play basketball, or some such obscene amount. It was over $120 million. Now, he's very successful with all of his uh, positive thinking as a basketball player. But Shaquille O'Neal would be a total and complete failure as a jockey. As a matter of fact, he'd have to carry the horse across the line, you know. I'm an upbeat, optimistic, enthusiastic, motivated, positive thinker. But if you needed major surgery and you chose me for the operation... I would encourage you not to make any long-range plans. <laughs> oh, I'd do the best I could. I'd be optimistic, enthusiastic, and motivated, but you'd still die. <laughs> now, positive thinking won't let you do anything, but let me tell you what it will do. It will let you do everything better than negative thinking will. It will let you use the ability and the training which you've had. That's all you're doing right here. You're using the ability and the training which you had before that day before vacation got here. So important. Here's the way it works. You know, modern America is, is incredible. When we walked in here, uh, in some of the arenas I go in, uh, it's, it's always pitch black. And the way they light them just delights and astonishes me. You know how they light those arenas? Let's flip some switches. That's all they do. They flip switches. And it gets lighted. Now, why does that work? It is because the electricity has already been stored. Flipping the switch releases it. It floods in, and we've got light. Now, had they not stored the electricity before, we'd still be in an unlighted room. The youngster who walks in to take a test with positive thinking but doesn't have a clue as to what the test is all about, he's going to flunk that sucker. I don't care how optimistic he gets to be. So positive thinking lets you use the ability you have. Now, in all of this process, you become a team player. Now, why is a team player important? You are setting an example. Many of you have heard me say this on countless occasions, uh, but you, you see... People don't pay a whole lot of attention many times to what you say, but they will always remember what you do. That's important. You, you teach what you know, but you reproduce who you are. Let me get you to do something for me. Would you just empty your hands for a moment, please? I'm going to say one, two, three, go. Then I'd like to get you just to slap your hands, okay? One, two, three, go. 
Now, folks, I don't want to sound immodest, <laughs> but I've made a pretty fair living for a long time as a communicator. I slowed it down when I told you what to do. You ignored everything I said, but you did exactly what I did. The example you set, the parent who says to the child, tell the truth. Telephone rings, tell them I'm not home. Has not only taught the child a lie for them, they just taught the child a lie to them. Very important distinction. The parent who says, obey the law. Now, the reason I use a fuzz buster is they have just said to the child, look, kid, if you're going to break the law to be smart like your old man, get you a fuzz buster and put it on the car. 20 million American cars carry them. Sole purpose is to evade the law. Break it and get by with it. That's the purpose of it. Your competency goes up. You feel so good about yourself. Your energy level is fantastic. You know, ladies and gentlemen, the most difficult day of your life at the office or the job is when you really don't have enough to do and you have to fill in the space with nothing. And you try to fool the boss, you know, make him think, you know, that you really are important. Or if you are the boss, you try to fool the troops. Your energy level is so high that day before you go on vacation, you know, as you head home, you're talking to yourself, man alive, I got so much done today. I can't wait to tell the family about it. I feel so good. Matter of fact, we're going to pack up tonight and start our vacation tonight. Why wait until tomorrow? Whereas on the other hand, if you tried to fool the boss all day, or if you are the boss, at the end of the day, boy, I don't know if I can handle this anymore. I am absolutely exhausted. Now, folks, let me emphasize a point. If you can do this on the day before vacation, is there any reason why you can't do it two days before you go on vacation? Or three? You realize that you take exactly the same knowledge you had. And remember now, I'm talking about you. Everything I'm saying is right at you, not to people who are not here, not to anybody that you wish were here, anything like that. I'm talking about you on your day before vacation. These are the things that you do. These are the qualities you have, else you could not be using them. This is why you get so much more done. Now, if you will simply repeat this process on a regular basis, the first thing you know, even the jobs you don't like, you will begin to develop a love for and then you will develop passion because, you see, passion is born the moment you catch a glimpse of the potential. The potential in the job, the potential in you, the potential in your marriage, the potential in your child. That's when passion really is born. Now, folks, let me ask you, uh, how many of you have identified them as either attitudes or skills? Can I see your hands, please? Or did you get carried away and just not do it? How many of you listed most of them as attitudes? Can I see your hands, please? I've got wonderful news for you. You are 100% wrong. Every one of them are skills. Now, why is that such good news? If they're skills, that means I can learn them and you can learn them. It means our kids and our grandkids can learn these things. It means the youngster from the slum, as long as they have an opportunity to be exposed to this kind of thinking, uh, then they too can develop those skills. Now, what we've got to understand is this is an ongoing process. See, part of the fertilizer was described by Cynthia Ann Broad when she said, in times of change, and how many of you would agree that we're in times of change? Now, change, ladies and gentlemen, is significant. She says, it is the learners who will inherit the earth, while the learned will find themselves beautifully equipped for a world that no longer exists. 
Tom Peters put it this way, only those who constantly retool themselves stand a chance of staying employed in the years ahead. But Zig, you said all of those were skills. What about that intelligence part there? You know, I came, uh, as a former governor of ours would say, one taco short of a full meal. Uh, in, in other words, uh, uh, I'm not quite as smart as somebody else. Study at Georgetown Medical School revealed this. 100% of the time, no exceptions, when your vocabulary goes up, your IQ also goes up. No exception. So if you know, you don't, don't ever use that excuse again. Well, I'm just not smart enough to understand that because you realize that's a choice. You can increase your intelligence. My own IQ is over 20 points higher than it was when I finished high school. I'm not going to tell you where it was, uh, but I am going to tell you that it's higher now than it was, okay? Now, when you look at all of these things, uh, how many of these qualities right here are positive? Anybody? All of them. How many of them are leadership qualities? How many of them do you have? Three times I have said to you, I am talking about you. How many of them do you have? Still sad city, I'm telling you, all right? But you've just identified some of your own problems and the problems of America in general. When you said what you just said with so much absence of enthusiasm, here's what Earl Loomis says, we deny our talents and abilities. Because to acknowledge or to confess them would commit us to use them. But folks, let me make a point. It's dangerous to deny our talents and our abilities. Hopefully I'll have enough time to get into that a little later on. If not, it's going to be here in uh, next Sunday's lesson. Now, let me uh, ask you a question. How many of you believe that if you develop and use all of these qualities every single day of your life, you will be at least happier and healthier and more prosperous and more secure and have more friends and greater peace of mind and better family relationships and more realistic hope. How many of you believe if you use them every day? Okay, now let me point uh, something out right here which I believe is important. If this works so well on our work schedule, does it make sense that if we plan our family time, if we plan our exercise time, if we plan our personal growth time, if we plan our vacation time, that we'll get more of all of those things done? Does that make any sense? Answer is yes. I'll help you with these tough ones, okay? There's zero question about it. Now, let me uh, point out, so many times people say, well, you know, I'm not sure about me. I want to get into that right now. I don't have as much as somebody else. I can't do this, that, and the other. Let me tell you, in 399 A.D., St. Augustine, and I quote him, I, I paraphrase him, said this, man travels hundreds of miles to gaze at the broad expanse of the ocean. He looks with awe at the heavens above. He stares in wonderment at the fields and the mountains and the rivers and the streams. And then he passes himself by without a thought. God's most amazing creation. You're on dangerous grounds 
when you belittle one of God's creation. In the book of Isaiah, in the uh, 64th chapter, in the 8th verse, here's what he said. But now, O Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay, and you are our potter. All and all we are the work of your hand. God made you. The psalmist says, I am wonderfully and fearfully made. When you deny the ability, the seeds which God has planted in you, now you've got to water them and fertilize them, but when you deny the uh, ability that is in you, you're saying, now, Lord, you know, I know you created the universe. I know you hung the stars and swung the moon. But, Lord, let's face it, you just blew it when you created me. I'm a nothing. I'm a nobody. Ladies and gentlemen, that's dangerous territory. There is uh, so many verses in the Bible that say so many things that tell us beyond any shadow of a doubt that God created us for a purpose. In the book of Psalms, the 19th chapter, the 7th and 8th verse, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing uh, the heart. The commandments of the Lord is pure, enlightening uh, the eyes. When we go a little further over in the book of uh, 1 Corinthians, second chapter, the 16th verse, For who has known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. If you know Christ... He says, look, I'm going to let you in on some things. In the third chapter of uh, 1 Corinthians, the 16th verse again, he says, do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? Think about it. Now, the God who paid such an awesome price for you, do you think he would leave you shorthanded? Do you think, ladies and gentlemen, that God wants you to deny the wonderful talent and gifts and abilities that he has placed inside of you? Or does he not want you to water and fertilize them, develop them, recognize, confess, and use them? What would happen in your life if every day you simply recognized and started developing and using just these qualities right here? It'd be absolutely astonishing, would it not? Now, there are some uh, people who get a little confused about biblical language. Language does change, ladies and gentlemen, and they might say, well, Zig, aren't you boarding on pride here? See, pride was not the cause of man's fall. It was vanity or false pride. Words change. For example, if I were to look at any one of you and say you're silly, you'd be offended unless you really knew that the old English word for silly literally means blessed, happy, healthy, and prosperous. So if anybody ever says to you again, you are just silly, you ought to say, man, you don't know how right you are. You got that one right on the button, okay? But now the question is, if we only had those qualities right there, we could be enormously successful. 
But as I was preparing yesterday, I got to thinking about some other things. Do you have any other qualities? If you plead guilty to ever, even one time in your life, uh, being a caring person, then acknowledge the fact that, yes, indeed, you are a caring person. And all you've got to do is acknowledge that, yes, you are that caring person one time. How many have ever cared about anything in your life? Can I see your hand? You're patient. How many have ever demonstrated patience just one time? How about loyal? Have you ever demonstrated that just one time? Understanding. How about have you ever demonstrated affection for someone that you love? How about being gentle and sincere and faithful and attentive? How about being kind and pleasant and being a good listener and sober with a sense of humor and thoughtful and respectful and humble and personable? Now, humility doesn't mean that you think less of yourselves. It means that you think of yourself less. That basically is the key and all important faith. Now, if you added uh, these 19 qualities to the 21 qualities you use on the day before vacation, does that increase your chances of being happy and healthy and prosperous? What do you think? Now, every one of these are scales. What that means is you can uh, learn them. But suppose you had even more qualities than that. Let me ask you, have you ever displayed courage even one time in your life? Do you make it a point to be consistent in what you do? Are you fair? And do you ever come up with an idea that's any good at all? Creative, diligent. Do you hang in there? Encourage others, dependable and resourceful. Use common sense on more than one occasion. Uh, Communicate what your thinking is and where you are. Being open-minded to learn and having convictions and becoming an extra miler. Uh, Being a person of integrity and grateful and having a vision and wisdom. See, the seeds of every one of those. I've identified the 57 seeds that we started talking about. You've got every one of them. If you will use every one of them, you've got to develop them, acknowledge, and use them. How long do you keep watering and fertilizing? Well, that's up to you. You only do that as long as you want to be happy and healthy and prosperous and secure and have friends, peace of mind, good family relationships, and hope. Now, let me ask you a question. How many of you in this room today are employers? Could I see your hand? How many of you employers would fire anybody who used these qualities every day? Can I see your hands? Or would you try to give them a lifetime contract? Is that not uh, job security or employment security in a no-job security world? You might say, but Zeke, now wait a minute, friend. You're, You're out of date. You know, a lot of downsizing going on around this world of ours. Suppose my company downsizes, then what? Well, let's take an extreme example. Let's suppose that after uh, today's game that uh, Jerry Jones were to call the Cowboys together and he says to them, now, fellas, I hate to tell you this, but we're out of money. I'm going to disband the team. We're bankrupt. Now, it cannot happen. The league would not let it happen. But suppose they did. How many of you believe there's a pretty fair chance that Darren Woodson and Troy Aikman and Emmett Smith and uh, a couple of the other guys, Chad Henning, could get them a job somewhere else? Can I see your hands, please? All right. Let me ask you a question. Would they get a job somewhere else because of the fact that they played for the Cowboys? 
or because they performed for the Cowboys. What do you think? All the free agents we've lost, did they go somewhere else because somebody gave them so much more money because they played for the Cowboys or because they performed for the Cowboys? What do you think? Okay, let me ask you a question. You work for XYZ company and they go out of business. Will another company give you a job because you worked for them or because you performed for them? Whose responsibility is it to perform? See, that gives you employment security in a no-job security world. That's what it's all about, folks. We're not victims. Regardless of what somebody else does to us, ladies and gentlemen, we can then choose how we are going to handle that. When we become proactive and learn how to be the right kind of person who does the right thing, we will end up with the things in life that we want. Sometimes it's slow coming. Sometimes it's the bamboo tree in full force. But ladies and gentlemen, I'm here to tell you that yes, indeed, we do have our hand in the matter. I hope you're inspired to work smarter, not necessarily harder with your job this week. Until next week, this is Blake Lindsay encouraging you to live your life to the fullest. Ziggler. Ziggler. Inspiring true performance.